Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode contains some strong language. Listen to discretion is advised. Sort of executed this perfect commando role and was straight up on his feet. Exclamation of things like, ay, ay, I'm on Galcho, you know, oh no, are you joking? I'm all this for, <laughs> all this just for this this paltry amount of, of, um, of drugs. And we've done all this for sort of what looked like about three kilos of, of heroin. I, th- I think it was 40 grams of heroin into each block of plaster of Paris. We're hoping to fool the distribution syndicate in Australia. What the fuck's going on? Catching Worms, a Hong Kong true crime podcast. But we had set sail around 4pm, sailing out of Stanley Harbour past Potoy and out towards the location marked on the map for the intercept to take place. It was dark, it was raining, and the intercept boat was having troubles at sea. But by luck, as Chief Inspector Les Bird recalls, they had spotted the yacht carrying the undisclosed cargo and four undercover police officers. Under the cover of darkness, the Intercept launch's cover story of being a group of guaylos out for a fishing trip had gone out the window. Aboard the Wii, Roberto saw the Intercept boat and was suspicious, as Bill Renwick describes. They started coming towards us, and that was the trigger for... Basically, Roberto, I think, must have suddenly thought, this doesn't look quite right, this, this boat is coming straight towards us now. It must have, he must have just clicked, I guess. He must have just suddenly clicked. Hang on, this is all not right. There's this boat coming in towards us. And for summary, he must have just thought, hang on, and suddenly realised who Rod was, that he was an undercover policeman. And he, for some reason, went down below. Rod was a bit worried about why he was going down below. Was he going to get a weapon or something like that? So he followed him down below. And at that point, I, I just had to stay up and, and, and keep, keep an eye on Kenny. 
Kenny, the surprise passenger, the triad gang member who had arrived on the Wii that day out of the blue to guard this precious cargo. Um, as the boat was nearing us, I suddenly heard this sort of squawk from down below. So I presume Rod was engaged with Roberto and Kenny heard this as well. He started uh, moving towards the uh, towards the companionway to go down below to see what was going on. And that's when I kind of leapt on him. The arrests were underway. The plan was being put into action and it had caught them off guard. It was a a clear indication of how little they suspected because he just didn't even think to to look around at me. He just sort of of heard this noise downstairs and started heading uh, towards the companionway. So, yeah, I just came from behind from the after deck, sort of descended on him from height. So he didn't, you know, 15 stone from that. From that direction, didn't really, didn't really stand much chance. And at the same time, I'm thinking, and what on earth is going on with Rod? You know, I need to get down there. Rod had followed Roberto down the three steps into the living quarters. Roberto was stood in the kitchen galley, looking through a porthole, trying to work out what this boat heading towards them was up to. This is where Rod found him. I dived into the uh, galleyway, down into the main cabin because Roberto was down there in the galley and I approached Roberto from behind I put my arms basically through his armpits and interlocked my hand behind his head so that he couldn't use his arms which didn't stop him sort of swinging his right hand and trying to stab me repeatedly and um, the more stabbing attempts he did the more serious I thought this is getting So I was then forcing him down and banging his head off the sink in the galley, which uh, in some respects subdued him, but in others was bad because when his head hit the sink, his arms were then above his head and he was able to grab a knife that had been in the kind of dish drying thing. So he then started trying to stab me with that, which I guess because it had a longer blade. Um, and at that point, I, I suppose there was quite a lot of shouting. It's it's hard to accurately say what happened because all of these things happen in a flash of a moment, although they probably took two or three minutes. In your head, it's going at a million miles an hour. Um, and Bill came down into the galley and said, if you'll forgive the language, something like, what the fuck's going on? And I said, I don't know, this bugger won't stop resisting. And it was more or less at that point that Roberto just stopped all his struggles and relaxed. And we'd um, previously secured uh, cable ties into the waist of the shorts we were wearing. So I pulled one out and zipped it onto Roberto's hands and then said to him, what the fuck are you doing? And he said, I didn't know you were police. I, I, I thought you were just trying to take over the boat. And bearing in mind that he'd spent millions of dollars putting heroin on the boat, I suppose his answer was actually not unreasonable. So did you not shout when you came into the galley? Did you not shout, stop, police, or this? you're under arrest? Or It's really strange. Isn't it? it never occurred to me. It was so obvious to me that I presumed it was obvious to Roberto as well. Um, but no, I, I 
I didn't say police until after um, Bill had come down into the main cabin. And as soon as I said it, he gave up all resistance. So whilst all this was going on in the galley of the Wee, Les was trying to navigate the choppy waters at night, bringing the intercept launch alongside the Wee so that the officers on his boat could jump ship and support with the arrests. In the last episode, we left Les on the flying bridge where he was being shot at. So I got really annoyed about that. Um, You know, uh, not only has my boat broken down and I've only got one engine, and I'm trying to get alongside this yacht in the dark. Now somebody's just taken a shot at me because I'm standing on the flying bridge. So um, I decided to try and get this done as quickly as possible. So I, I hit, I drove the boat, I drove our yacht into the side of the, the, the their yacht, our motor cruiser, um, and everybody got knocked over, knocked everybody on the yacht, fell over. And I managed to bring it round parallel to, um, to their yacht, our boat, just for a few seconds. And the two boats, I'll put my hands up, the two boats were doing this. Um, because it really was very bad uh, um, weather at the time. At this point, Les raises his hands to the same height and then moves them up and down. The boats were bobbing up and down out of sync, so crossing over between one boat to the other would be really difficult. A fraction of about two or three seconds when the boats were level, and I shouted down to the MB guys to jump, and they did, fortunately. Um, went careering across the deck. And then I, I, I put it in reverse and we, I pulled away, so leaving them to do their job. So we just sort of managed to, do, to, to get it there, but it was, it was 50% luck, really was. The team had to make five arrests. Kenny, the triad gang member, and Roberto, the prime suspect. And at that stage, that was just almost seconds later, the support launch came careering in. And literally sort of crashed into us, guys sort of flew off that boat and, and landed on, on our boat and, and it all came in and started helping with the arrests. Um, this chap, Raymond Lau, I, I clearly remember to this day when the Narcotics Bureau launch kind of hit the, hit us side on, it, it was a bit harder than anyone expected and he literally was sort of flung onto, uh, onto the yacht we, but he sort of executed this perfect commando role and was straight up on his feet and came over and and started um, dealing with Kenny. But they also had to keep John's cover story intact so that it wasn't obvious to Roberto and Kenny that he was the informant. Bill Renwick was in charge of his arrest. Well that actually hurt you know I kind of fairly roughly pinned him to the ground cuffed him you know and sort of shouting at him a lot and this sort of thing and you know we really didn't want John getting in any uh, under any suspicion here as to being an informant. So, um, no, you know, I need to get on and start making it look like I'm arresting John as well. Yeah, there was a lot of shouting, a lot of always concerned about not giving any suspicion that John was the informant or that um, Nick and Debbie were undercover police. Nick and Debbie, the last two to be arrested. The purpose of arresting Nick and Debbie was so that Roberto and Kenny did not think that John had hired four undercover police officers as the crew. Um, Now, Debbie and Nick, when we went over, which is when we broke from being undercover and took enforcement action, both Debbie and Nick 
never declared their police identity. And so we arrested them too. And the reason we did that was so that the bad guys would not be able to kind of go, wow, that was a bit strange. Everybody we hired were police officers. Yeah, and then they were all, they were all bundled onto the launch. And uh, to this day, I can remember the look on Nick's face when uh, he was sort of on his knees with his hands cuffed behind his back on the back of the uh, of, of the Narcotics Bureau launch. And they're about to be taken away for, for processing. He kind of looked over at me like, I really drew the short straw here, didn't I? <laughs> Yeah, it had started raining as well, and he was sort of thinking, this isn't, this isn't any fun. Um. Now that the arrests had been made, the next stage was to search the boat. They had to find this undisclosed cargo to make the arrests stick. I mean, as soon as um, Roberto and John and Kenny all had um, plastic cuffs on them, we then took them up and transferred them over to the intercept launch. And then I took over as skipper and turned us around and we headed back up into towards Titan. Uh, we wanted to, by then we were under cover of darkness. We wanted to go somewhere where we could secure the vessel and search it because you couldn't really do a search for drugs whilst wallowing about on the high seas. I then was asked to escort the the yacht back to Titan. We decided to go back into Titan because it was actually quite rough and we couldn't do any searching or anything out at sea. So I drove the, the motor yacht back to Titan, knowing that there was a hole in the bow, by the way. So I was a bit worried because I, I didn't have time to go and check to see what was what was wrong. It, afterwards, they were really NB were really pissed off because I'd put a big hole in um, but in both boats. Um, there was damage to the bow of our motor cruiser, and I'd also put a bit of a dent in the side of the yacht. Les was in a bit of trouble, but the bigger problem right now was where were the drugs hidden? Did they have grounds for the arrest? The incept launch was tied up against a pontoon in Titan, so we moored beside it. And then everybody came back on board, um, including exhibits officers. Um, they brought Roberto and John and Kenny back on board because when you seize drugs, you do it in the presence of the person that you've arrested so that he can't at some later date in court say, I never saw those. Those didn't come from my boat. They produced them out of something else. I remember, so it was really the Narcotics Bureau team who were now searching the boat and um, pulling up, you know, floorboards and starting to look at where they might be. Um, they were they were drawing a complete blank. They are drawing a complete blank. Do you have any ideas where they are? Do you remember in episode three, Rod had some important prep work aboard the boat? Uh, I would go to the boat and we were doing general maintenance. Um, I was also told that the fresh water tanks uh, had sprung a leak, so I had to go and buy plastic jerry cans, which I did. I ended up buying about 20 in a couple of trips. And then I would splice a sort of one metre length of rope onto the jerry can, which is forming a loop and then 
binding the rope back into itself so that it's secure, so that the jerry cans could be tied around the decking uh, on the Wii to put fresh water into. So there was no water inside the actual water tanks that had been fitted aboard the boat. So what was in there? And then someone obviously thought about the water tanks and they, they opened the first one and uh, there was just practically nothing in there. And I can remember just the, the sort of uh, the, the mood, everyone kind of thought, I mean, all this for <laughs> all this just for this this paltry amount of, of, um, of drugs. And So we brought them back and opened the water tanks. Um, and of course, when when we opened the uh, the port side water tank, there wasn't very much in it, and that elicited enormous disappointment from us, thinking we've done all this for sort of what looked like about three kilos of, of heroin. Three kilos of heroin. At this time, that could have been worth as little as seventy thousand US dollars. The narcotics team had brought a boat spent thousands of man-hours in undercover and surveillance for three kilograms. Had they got this all wrong? Was Roberto a small-time player? Three kilograms wouldn't lead them to a massive drug syndicate in Sydney, just a small-time dealer. Three kilograms could be hid in the tyre of a car or a suitcase. Why did they need to sail a yacht to Sydney for just three kilograms? There had to be more. Yeah, uh, there was that real sort of sudden sinking feeling. And then they opened the other water tank and it was absolutely chock full. And I can remember thinking, I don't know how on earth we would have made it to Australia because there's just not enough water to last us anyway, near as much. I knew we had some bottles on board as well. But yeah, I can remember being a bit surprised that, you know, our, our entire water stocks have been, uh, you know, replaced by, um, by the drugs. So. Um, and then once we opened the starboard side, it was packed to the brim and there was significant elation from us that, you know, everything had been worthwhile. Uh, and then they found the, the, the drugs in the, in the water, water tanks of the yacht and we started to bring all the blocks of heroin out and they stacked it up on the deck quite a big pile actually um uh and then more we called in more marine police boats to help um help out with the arrested people and the evidence relief they had found the drugs but how much and how much was it worth oh uh well i mean anything over a kilo is a major seizure um the 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 weight, 40 kilograms, yes, that's an enormous case and a big reward. The value, um, I wasn't in the business of giving the value, but I, I do remember that they said the 43 kilos was worth 380 million Hong Kong. At that time, it was the biggest seizure of pure-grade heroin in the history of the Hong Kong police. Uh, you know, a massive seizure of heroin. I don't think I knew at the time, because again, I, I wasn't in narcotics bureau, I don't think I knew quite how big it was. And it was only really when it started emerging the papers that it was Hong Kong's largest ever seizure that I realised quite how big. Uh, but, so we, but we knew it was substantial. I mean, it took, you know... Good, good while just to unload it all out of the water tanks, and we were photographing every block as it came out. Um, so we had that chain of evidence. 
The decks were piling up with blocks of heroin and the narcotics team were jumping for joy inside. This part of the sting was over, their covers were blown and they had two prime suspects in custody. I asked Bill how he felt climbing into bed that night after an eventful day. And do you remember that that feeling that night when you got into bed and you were looking up at the ceiling? You know, all of the what could have, would have happened thoughts. Do you know, to be honest with you, I think I just went out like a light. I was exhausted by then. The whole sort of emotion of it all and, and the relief that we'd actually successfully done the arrest and we'd actually found a good um, seizure of heroin. Uh, so, yeah, I think, um, yeah, just just relief and... Yeah, I slept like a baby. (laughs) But some of the team weren't lucky enough to go to sleep just yet. I, after, it was another another quite funny ending to it, is that um, after they got all the drugs and were really happy and they'd arrested the guys and they formally cautioned them, they took all the drugs and everybody got onto this all singing, all dancing Marine police launch and shot off. And someone said, oh, do you mind taking the, the boat back to Aberdeen? So they just left me on my own with this motor cruiser on one engine and a hole in the bow. And it was now probably three o'clock in the morning. So it's still dark. So I just drove it really, really slowly all the way around south of Hong Kong into Hong Kong Harbour. Came in going towards um, uh, uh, Causeway Bay Typhoon Shelter, where, which is where I was supposed to take it and leave it. Um, and I just came in the harbour just as it was getting daylight on my own. And it was then that I realised what, you know, you start to think back about. Because during the actual interception itself, you don't have time to think about, is this dangerous? Is it not? Is it? You just get on and do it. And the, having that hour and a half or two hours driving back through the harbour on my own at five in the morning, um, it started to sink in. And I started to reflect about all the things that could go wrong, could have gone wrong, and someone could have got hurt. You know, when, when I took the boat alongside their yacht in heavy weather, the four guys jumping over, you know, if we'd have got that wrong, they, someone could have got seriously hurt there. Uh, you know, if one of them had fallen in, 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 in darkness, it's very, very difficult to pull someone out of the, of the sea uh, at night to try and find them. You know, someone could have got crushed between the two boats. So, you know, it was then that uh, I started to sort of think, well, <laughs> that was um, that was actually quite dangerous. Um, and uh, after I parked the boat, it was already daylight and Causeway Bay is about seven in the morning. And I suddenly realized I was absolutely really, really tired. Um, and I was just glad to go home. <laughs> One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The arrest now had to be processed, but this was still an undercover operation, as narcotics inspector Rod Mason explains. The people who'd been arrested uh, were taken off um, again, by the intercept launch, back round to Aberdeen to um, Marine Police South Base in Aberdeen, where they were transferred to nondescript uh, high ace vans and taken back to police headquarters to Narcotics Bureau. Because the whole point was we were trying to keep the arrests as low profile as possible. And even when they were taken to court, we asked for um, an in camera hearing. In camera just basically means no public are allowed into the courtroom. And it, we'd had to explain to the magistrate that we'd be seeking a remand in police custody and that all the arrested persons were happy with the remand in police custody, but that it was our intention to conceal the arrest because we were hoping to fool the distribution syndicate in Australia into believing that when the arrested persons showed up, that they'd got there by yacht. Having been remanded in custody, Kenny and Roberto were placed under 24-hour armed guard and thoroughly interviewed. The police had made a bargain with them if they helped to identify the suspects and lead them to the distributors in Australia. A reduction in sentence looked promising. Roberto was to play a key part in the next stage of the operation. And so how did he assist you? Who did you go after next? Well, they were held in a safe house in Hong Kong and then they were flown um, under police escort by both the Hong Kong police and the Australian Federal Police down to Sydney, by which time um, the government chemist in Hong Kong who does all the analysis on drugs had recreated all the blocks of heroin out of plaster of Paris and he drilled a small hole into each one and then inserted, I think it was 40 grams of heroin into each block of plaster of Paris. And that was done so that if somebody in Australia was caught in possession of one block, 
it still had a trafficable quantity of heroin inside the block, but that we weren't losing, you know, a whole kilogram. So that was all prepared. It was all wrapped in the same wrapping that the seizure had come in. We then uh, flew them under escort to Sydney and they were retained in Australian Federal Police custody in safe houses for seven weeks because we worked out that the trip from Hong Kong to Australia should take about seven weeks. So after seven weeks, they phoned um, a number that Roberta had been given to say that they'd arrived in Sydney. Roberta was then given another number, an Australian number, which she phoned and an arrangement for the handover of the bag containing the purported drugs was made. And was Roberto willing to, to go along with this ruse? Um, yes, I mean, they they were taken into custody and it was explained to them that they were facing basically between 25 and 30 years in prison and that if they helped the police by assisting us to arrest other people, then the police would stand up and say that they'd been very beneficial to the police and that would equate to a reduction in sentence. And that's what happened. In, in fact, on conviction, Roberta received 23 years, which was then reduced to 11 years because of his assistance. The operation had taken Operation Clinker down under and the handover of the drugs had to happen in order to warrant the arrests of the syndicate in Australia. So the plaster of Paris fake drug blocks arrived in Sydney. The handover took place. Australian Federal Police surveillance followed everything. The bag containing the fake drugs was fitted with a, a microphone. So we were able to listen to everything that happened. Uh, which was all in Cantonese. The Australian Federal Police had a Cantonese-speaking officer. And he listened to the great excitement of the group as they opened the bag and saw the bags. And then they decided to break one of the blocks of heroin to test it for the quality of the heroin. And when he hit it with a hammer, it exploded into powder and in fact, every block had been fitted with luminescent powder so that everybody in the room was covered in luminescent powder. And that was to prove who had been present when the drugs were opened. And as soon as they heard that break being done and great ex exclamation of things like, I'm a gal, you know, oh no, are you joking? Things like that. The Australian Federal Police then kicked the door down and arrested everybody inside the room. Uh, it really, it really was a, a, an impressive operation on their part, NB, to to actually, and then keep it a secret, and sell a replica with substitute drugs all the way down to Sydney, um, and and affect the arrest of the the bad guys down there too. So impressive that it made the headlines. On the 11th of November 1988, Asia Week reported that Hong Kong and Sydney police arrested 30 ethnic Asians in the largest joint Hong Kong and Australia narcotic sting ever. That was Operation Clinker.
but I still had some unanswered questions. Do you know when Roberto found out that John was in on it? Even up until that point, John was still being treated as an arrested person. After that all happened, the three of them were brought back to Hong Kong. Roberto and Kenny were taken off to uh, a police safe house and then taken back to court um, when the police then said, "Okay, we no longer need these people in police custody. They can be handed over to correctional services and retained in um, and detained in prison custody. And John was with them, but all charges against John were dropped. So I guess at that point, Roberto must have been thinking, why are they dropping all the charges against him? So John then turned around from the court and walked out. And although John hung around and was involved in lots of debriefing and received a reward payment, which was fairly substantial, um, although I do apologise, I'm not allowed to give the details of exactly how much money, but it would have been enough for him to have bought the boat. So Roberto went to prison, not being entirely sure who was in on it. I had one more question for Rod Mason, author of Operation Clinker. Do you think he'll read your book? (laughs) I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe it'll fill in a few of the questions that he's had all these years. But the real mystery of this case still stands to this day. And were you being shot at? Ah, no. Nobody to this day knows what, what that bloody explosion was from the yacht. I was, we were convinced, the NB guys, I remember um, one of them turning up and looking up at me and saying, we're being shot at, and then diving into the, co- into the cabin. And I thought, oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. Um, so we, no one can figure out what that was. Um, but as I said in my book, Winston Churchill is, is uh, reported as saying there's nothing more exhilarating than being shot at and not being hit. And yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> it was exhilarating. I think that's probably a term I wouldn't have used. In recognition of the bravery and success of the operation, Rod and Les were awarded the Commissioner's Commendation and Bill, Nick and Debbie a commanding officer's commendation for their roles in Operation Clinker. On top of the formal awards and ceremonies, the team celebrated with a slap-up fish dinner and a few beers on Lamar Island, famous for having some of the best seafood in Hong Kong. Next time on Catching Worms. Of course he was a friend of mine. I had no idea that he was uh, homosexual. His entire life was about to collapse. Well, you have to remember, in these days, uh, it was... Uh, Bakuri was a was life sentence. Was found the next day dead. That was a sufficient motive for someone to want to kill him. There was no clear evidence of anyone hearing gunshots. But he would bring the embarrassment on the police force. And all the the things they hadn't done uh, came back to haunt them. Please, please tell my family that this was an accident and that I am a good police officer. Thank you.
This has been a Create podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It helps others to find us. You can follow us on Instagram at CatchingWormsHK. With special thanks to Rod Mason, author of Operation Clinker, published by Austin McCauley, Bill Renwick, and author of Small Band of Men, Les Bird. And thank you for listening. Catching worms. Jok chong. This term means to get yourself into trouble, causing unnecessary difficulties. It may seem like an odd phrase, but this slang is often used as an abbreviation of the full saying jok chong yap si fat. That involves putting said worms up your rear end, which to anyone's imagination definitely spells trouble indeed. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.